Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Pipeline Superheroes podcast hosted by Grant Cohen. Today, we have Chris Vandersluss of HMS Software. He has been the CEO founder of that company for a lot longer than a lot of SaaS founders have, and I'm sure you have a lot of great <laughs> lessons to, to teach us along the way. Um, Chris, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. Yeah, I really started off by saying you've been working there a long time. That's a great start. Um, but anyway, tell us about HMS and how that became your mission. Um, yeah, so HMS started in 1984. Um, uh, so by some measures, you'd go, well, uh, too long to be a company. Um, and, but uh, it's been a great ride. We started the company back in 84 as a consulting uh, company for project management, people who wanted to implement project management software. In 84, that was kind of a newish thing. Uh, PCs were just starting to get around and people said, well, how do we put project management on a PC? And we knew a little bit about that. And so we did consulting and a little bit of distribution of software. Um, and for 10 years, that was the focus. And, um, and in 94, I decided to transform the company into a publisher. And we published a product called Time Control that was a timesheet system that was designed to work for project management, but also for finance. And that's because the thing that got us started, we made a timesheet for our very, very first client in 84, that was Philips, big Philips electronics company, um, because they said, well, we like this project scheduling software, but where do we put the timesheets? So we wrote a timesheet and then we did it again for, uh, for Bombardier and we did it again for, you know, for General Motors. And so now we had a couple of uh, really strong clients behind us who had seen us do this stuff. But we also attacked a couple of real problems. And, and one of them was, we don't want just a payroll timesheet and we don't want just a billing timesheet. We don't even just want a project management timesheet. We want something that will do multiple things at one time. And we don't want to have our uh, employees fill in multiple timesheet systems. Well, I mean, that was the idea. In 94, we released Time Control, it went to market, and it's taken over our lives. I mean, since then, uh, it has, uh, you know, it's gone on to evolve all over the planet and, and work in all kinds of organizations. Um, so our mission was really a multi-purpose timesheet, uh, less pain for the employees, and, uh, and, you know, making a living. Awesome. So sounds like some powerful pivots, which, you know, a lot of companies experience early like early on in their life cycle. And it's something that is sort of hard to pinpoint exactly when you need to do that. So it sounds like with the timesheet, it was really driven by the development of a good product. But we'd love to understand like how you're able to suss out and really analyze, okay, this is where this company needs to pivot and how you like rely on some of your top advisors to to validate or make that choice. Well, we do that in a couple of ways. It's a really good question. Um, obviously, you have to be current in the market, and I spend a lot of time doing that. I have contacts because of the time I've been in business in, uh, in many parts of the industry and many parts of the SaaS industry. You know, I've spoken at SaaS uh, events. I speak often at project management events. I'm doing one the week after next where I'm speaking in person in Orlando, then again in Dallas. So I, I get to talk to people in our industry often, and keeping one's ear to the ground is important. You've also got to look at potential competitors and the technology. We had to pivot in the very late 90s to making a web browser-based product. I mean, things were before that all Windows-based products. And suddenly we realized we were going to have to have browser stuff, what would be referred to as a web-based product. And then we needed a mobile version. And then we needed a SaaS version. 
And so now Time Control you know, has both on-prem and SaaS versions. We have a mobile interface and a web interface. Um, these were important technology pivots. Same thing goes for products that we've had to interact with. I've worked for many years with Microsoft as a key partner and with Oracle as a key partner um, because their technologies and their interests have also shifted. We've had to shift along the way. So, um, yeah, you've got to, you know, and, and listening to people like yourself, like the other people in business, where do you see the market going? What do you hear? What are you seeing? Uh, all of that is key. Yeah, I think it's like hard also because like, you know, you answered that question and addressing how to be current, which I think is like, you know, obviously a very straightforward and meaningful way to approach that. But at the same time, I feel like there's a lot of shiny objects out there. So, for example, <laughs> yeah. you hear you hear a lot about like generative AI, right? And, oh, you have to integrate generative mm. AI. You can't go on LinkedIn without seeing four guides to chat GPT and how to use it. Um, how, in your experience, have you been able to sort of separate the signal from the noise and understand what is both current and is going to last? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. In 1999, we actually made a uh, an element of our architecture that was AI-driven. And, um, and so it's not like we weren't aware of that part of the business, but we had to think about that and go, uh, you know, we could, we had investor type people who said, what, forget the timesheet, take this thing, this piece of architecture for communicating between a web server and a client uh, that's AI based, that would be crazy good, go make a business out of that. And we said, well, no, it's not our interest. Um, but, uh, but, but we're, we're aware of those kinds of things. Shiny objects are always tempting. Uh, it's not like I've not been tempted by shiny objects. Uh, sometimes the whole uh, the whole market drives you to do something that you think, oh, well, how did I end up here? Um, in in early 1999, we took on we were looking for money because everyone in my business and all of my friends and advisors in the business said the only way to survive is going to be go public, you know, do a thing, get some money. And so we did. We mm -hmm. took on investors, uh, and I spent the worst six years of my career uh, buying them out. Um, it was a very very hard time for me. They weren't bad people, um, and they gave us what we wanted. We got a bunch of money. I mean, spectacularly bad timing in 2000, you know, big tech recession. Um, but we, um, we ended up with people who knew nothing about our industry. They only wanted to talk about growth. It's interesting, of course, given the economy right now, we have similar kinds of uh, swings in the economy right now as interest rates change, and people go, oh, it's not just about growth. You have to be able to make a profit, right? So we, we see people struggling with that now. Um, but at the time, it was all about growth. And so we took the money and um, and I then spent a miserable year or so. And after that said, let's work towards getting them out of the business, five more years of that to get them out. But that mm -hmm. was a shiny object. I mean, uh, my bad call. Um, and, uh, you know, it, it's all sometimes it's just very tempting and seems like the right move. Yeah, right, right. And, you know, I think that when people make those decisions and they look for the shiny objects, they're necessarily trying to hack their growth. And that's not a, you know, a dirty word by any stretch of the imagination with Bloom Growth. But I do think that people are necessarily trying to get rich quick when we found from as a, you know, the perspective of a growth agency and working with a lot of B2B SaaS companies is while there are companies that have exponential growth, it's sort of like the, um, I grinded my whole life and then I was an overnight celebrity, which is like the, yes. you know, like <laughs> it, it looks, it looks immediate to the outsider, but is, you know, the result of doing the right things, investing and taking advantage of compound interest. So I'm wondering how, like, you know, as you've 
had like a, a, a good history with HMS, how you think about that as it relates to your growth strategy? Because I would love to hear how that's changed over time. Because I think you're at a point where a lot of people listening to this being SaaS founders or, you know, folks that are at early stage companies are necessarily like, wow, a company that's been along around, you know, 20, 30 plus years, they have to be doing something right. And I'm sure there's like a lot of evolution there, but like curious if you've developed any philosophies or what's worked for HMS over time. Well, when we um, when we went through uh, really that challenging time in the early 2000s, I mean, I, you know, I came to kind of an epiphany about me and the business, uh, and and that was I had to decide why I was there, because that whole shiny object for me in '99 was, oh, I'm here to get out, but in fact, one of the reasons it was a challenge is I really never was. I got into the business to stay in. I love the industry I'm in. I mean, I get to, you know, I, I publish a timesheet, so kind of, so what? But the people who are using our timesheet are putting things into space. They're solving crimes at Interpol. They're uh, building nuclear power plants at Bruce Power and General wow. Electric Katashi. Wow. Those people are using our timesheets. And at the ITER uh, plant uh, for fusion technology in France, I mean, these guys are all using our time control product. So we are, I mean, we're not the driver of any of those businesses, but we're a tiny slice of those things where we can go, hey, we helped that project move forward. That's super cool for me. Uh, so mm -hmm. I love being mm -hmm. in that. And uh, so we shifted, uh, you know, that epiphany had me shift from got to be on that hockey stick of growth, you know, that exponential growth curve so that I can get out to let's take a way more conservative view and make sure we're profitable. So, A, we never get into that kind of situation that we were in in 99 again, but also so that, you know, we're making a living, we're making a profit. This is our path. Um, so knowing what you're in for, I think is important. I got in to stay in. And I'm not likely to leave, you know, not currently for sale. I'm not currently shopping for money. I mean, we are, you know, we're having a, a great run. Yeah, I, I, I love that mentality, especially as a lot of people view early stage tech companies and venture capital, not all of them by any stretch of the imagination. But a lot of folks are like, I'm going to go to the casino. I'm going to pull the slot machine. And if I could raise a hundred million dollar <laughs> series D, and then get out. Like that's what how that came to mind for me is just that language where it's like I'm getting out. Like I'm good. Um, when you're building like a legitimate product that is going to last a long time. Um, another like sort of tactical question is: so you mentioned a lot of different use cases with HMS, and it sounds yeah. like you've successfully did the niching down to the vertical expansion and all of that, the horizontal expansion. Um, curious how your ideal customer profile has changed changed over time and how you've been able to do that because like I'm sure there is sort of like an adaptive quality to your product development given just how long you've been uh, with this product. Yeah, so I mean the the product itself is highly flexible for the exact reasons you're describing. Um, it's a very horizontal product. Timesheets are used across many, many industries. We don't target at everyone. We target organizations that uh, do their business on a project basis. So if you're, I don't know, an operational basis company, like uh, you're, I don't know, a hospital, we won't be, you're, you know, we're not your ideal story. But if you're in engineering or you're in heavy manufacturing or you're in IT or pharmaceuticals or something where things are project oriented and we want to know what happens down to the task level, that's our, that's our corner. Uh, we've never sold to a company our size. We're a niche business of like 20 people, but we've never sold to a company that size. Um, you know, I mentioned a few client names. We've sold to companies who are very big. Um, the, uh, there's not really an ideal client. I mean, you know, an ideal client's one who gives you money. But 
Um, but uh, a typical client for us, I mean, a sweet spot would probably be three to 500, 300 to 1,000 users is probably our sweet spot of uh, organizations where they can deploy time control quickly, they get very rapid returns, um, and we glue in then for a really long time. We've had some clients using time control for over 25 years. Wow, that's, that's incredible. Um, do you sign them to 10-year contracts? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, that'd be great, wouldn't it? No, the longest <laughs> yeah, contract yeah. we've signed so far is a three-year contract, but I um, mean, for really large companies, you know? So, yeah, um, yeah. you know, it, it works out well for us. That's, that's something, that's something. Wow. Um, so then what's next too, as you think about the next few <laughs> years and we talked about, I know, and we talked about like the potential for, you know, the shiny objects versus, you know, it depends what your, your view of generative AI is. I'm sure there could be like a predictive quality to, you know, understanding the, uh, what I would imagine is an impressive amount of data that you've collected with a timesheet. Like, where do you see the company going now? And like, what are you focused on from a growth perspective? You know, first of all, I mean, while there is an awful lot of data that we manage, uh, we we segregate that data by client. So there's no access for us to saying, well, let's pull all you know several million you know lines of of data together to see what we could do. Uh, but clients have ended up with an awful lot of data. We've been talking to a number of uh, of longer term or larger clients now who have millions of lines of timesheet records. And when you think about it like big data and you start thinking about business intelligence of that data, there are some great opportunities there. Uh, we have, uh, I've lectured on this in the past, but the, um, the idea of going into your timesheets and asking questions like, um, when I look at a project and I look at our overhead, are there some projects that do better than others based on how much mm -hmm. overhead we mm -hmm. have? Do we do better when we do project, when we do a lot of project meetings or do we do worse? Um, and there is information like that to be had. Uh, and so, um, so for us going forward, I mean, there's always new features, right? There'll be, we're about to release uh, in a couple of weeks, time control eight version 8.4, and there'll be an 8.5 and a 9.0 and a 10.0 one day. And I mean, that's just kind of natural evolution of the product. And our features for that come from a lot of places. But we're looking at a couple of things. One is we started a new product that is tied to time control called time control project. We've done so well on the uh, managing task actuals, the things that actually happened, um, that we're now looking to say, well, let's bring that same flexibility for planning and for resource assignments and for project management tasks. So that will be part of our movement forward for sure. That's really in its infancy with us. It's only really getting started with our clients. Uh, but, that, uh, but that product is going to be, I think, a, a, an evolution in the way project management is done because we're looking at it from multiple perspectives in project management. We have all that experience in the business and, you know, and, and from me partly, but uh, all that experience in the business of looking at project management systems and clients trying to do project management, we think we have something to contribute there. Um, and then the other side, as you say, um, is, you know, I guess AI would be the catchword for it, but, uh, but uh, uh, data diving into the big data that some clients have. And I think we could do that. We could do a lot of help with, uh, with that, with reporting and analysis and giving tools to our clients to, you know, be able to get, um, you know, a, a better uh, perspective on what is really happening in the business. You know, a lot of timesheet systems and a lot of companies talk about how much time did our employees spend here. But when you look at time controls data, it says, what did those employees spend their time doing? Because it's task-based, it's all task-based. And that becomes super fascinating. So, um, so we think that both of those are big um, avenues forward for us. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That, that's really interesting. 
Um, and I also think that uh, like the idea of recording time gets more complicated over every year that goes by. Like I remember before COVID, not saying that this is a long time ago by any stretch, but it's just <laughs> like, you know, going to the office five days a week, clocking in, clocking out, getting dressed up, wearing yep. a nice shirt and slacks, getting home, changing out of it. Like the on-off nature of work has sort of bled, at least for you know folks that work on their laptops all day. So curious yep. how that changes, like the thinking of the product and and the roadmap as well. Yeah, it's a very good question, and of course we had clients who uh, were using time control before the pandemic shutdowns, um, and then during the pandemic shutdowns, and now some kind of post-pandemic shutdown, depending on where they live and what their situation is. Um, one of the things that we saw, I mean, first of all, we saw a big movement towards our SaaS version, even from existing clients who said, take me off my on-prem and put me onto your SaaS. Um, so that was a movement, uh, you know, just yeah. helped us on the business side. But the, the thing that you're talking about uh, has become even more important, where people might have once said, oh, yeah, you clocked in at eight o'clock and you clocked out at five o'clock. So I know you were here. Now they'd like to know, what did you do at that time? And mm -hmm. so activity-based costing has become a very hot, very current topic. Well, that's right in our, our wheelhouse, isn't it? Uh, because that's the way that we thought of timesheets from the very beginning. What kind of time are you spending on what kinds of things? Um, and so whether somebody's working all at home, uh, all at the office, uh, partly at home, partly at the office in a hybrid situation, their online timesheet can track what did you get done. And a lot of management is now moving from an effort-based thought to say, well, I know, you know, Bob was here, you know, from eight to five, he must've done something good um, to, I know exactly what he completed this week. That is, I mean, that's a real movement of, uh, of how to manage. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's, that's incredible. Um, yeah. I remember like in one of my first internships, uh, the heads of marketing just took me to a conference room and with a whiteboard explained the difference between on-prem SaaS, the cloud software, like every <laughs> other, how everything changed. And it was like, you know, a Ted talk mixed with, um, Khan Academy all in once. It was, it was wonderful. But, you know, I think okay. that those, it's just, you know, and, and we hear like a lot about, or I had somebody on, um, podcast recently, Maxwell Lyman, who, is in the web three space. And what he's trying to do is create, you know, web three browsers and how to like create a decentralized way of all that kind of development. So it just shows how far we've come. And it's one of those things where so much change has happened in the last 48 hours or 42 uh, years is what I mean, 48 hours. It feels like that. Um, cool. But uh, Chris, as we wrap up, is there anything else you'd like to promote or talk about um, from your journey or, you know, any kind of folks you're looking for in our audience? Uh, you know, it's always great to talk to people who are in either the project management industry or uh, talk about HR. Uh, you know, for us and time control, I mean, we write a lot and talk a lot about uh, the industry and, and I'm always keen to uh, to meet up with people. I think you also had my LinkedIn um, uh, address somewhere. So, you know, I love to connect with people in the industry um, and you know, we're always promoting notes. what we're doing. Sounds good. Awesome, Chris. Well, thank you so much for the time today. This was a really fun one. I got a lot of value from it. Thanks. I love learning about the history of all this stuff and and really like, um, what's the term? Like dynamic organizations that are able to change. It's been really inspirational for me. Oh, thanks very much. It was great to be here.